Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a Disney cruise mindset to the triangle of sadness style yacht before the third act podium of Formula One racing. I did not see that film. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I heard Woody Harrelson was really great, though. My favorite auto journalists and authors of Racing with Rich Energy, Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King. How are you guys this morning? Hi. My cats got into a fight last night, so I'm not great. (laughs) You had to go to the vet, right? Yeah, it's just a a bite mark. Uh, Poor poor Joseph, my fluffy cat, got bit right in the foot pad of his front foot. So, oh, no. yeah, so he's he's doing all right otherwise. They're back to being separated, but my God, the chaos of these freaking animals. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to go through that. In today's episode, we're talking about the Miami Grand Prix, but first, how are you guys doing? I mean, I went up to my parents' house this weekend to look at some wedding venues uh, with my fiance. They were both disappointing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, our, our we think we have one in mind that we already looked at, mm-hmm. so... Uh, we're pretty set on that one. Alanis, how about yourself? I don't actually know what I did this weekend. I watched Formula One and NASCAR. That that was like, that's all I can remember, actually. Then we went on a walk and my husband saw a dog and my husband is not a dog person, but he had had a few margaritas at this point. And so he went to the dog God. and started hugging the dog. And Great the dog idea. was so excited. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> that's so funny. The dog was so happy. The dog's name was Star, Aww. and yeah, then we talked to our neighbor across the street for about 90 minutes about grass. Riveting. We, a few margaritas in. My husband loves to talk about grass, so wow. we had a great weekend. Sounds yeah. Sounds compelling. <laughs> now let's talk about qualifying. In Q1, Ferrari's Carlos Sainz came close to cutting off Alfa Romeo driver Joe Guan Yu, but the latter pulled out from the near collision and said over the radio, what the f*** was he doing? Uh, there's also a weird moment between Hamilton and Magnussen, and then Magnussen and Gasly, and uh, Norris, Sonoda, Stroll, Piastri, and Logan Sargent were eliminated. Poor Logan in his first home race in his home state. Poor Logan. The great news is that he's got two more. Logan Sargent has two more home races to get, get a little better. <laughs> you know, he's a... He's a rookie in a in a Williams. Okay, I'm gonna give him some some leeway. Right. Yeah. When my husband saw that he got eliminated in Q1, like he doesn't really watch Formula One or pay attention, but he knows Logan Sargent's a Florida man, and he said he has been to the Miami Dolphins parking lot way too many times to get eliminated in <laughs> Q1. Rookie in a Williams. Uh, in, in Q2, Alex Albon, Nico Hulkenberg, Lewis Hamilton, Joe Guanyu, and Nick DeVries were eliminated. That was painful. Really strange performance from Lewis Hamilton. Just couldn't figure it out. But as we'll see, he kind of did figure it out a little bit. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg was reviewed for an unsafe release, but no investigation was needed. Uh, Hamilton had a pretty bad uh, moment in turn one, and that messed up the rest of his lap, putting him in that 13th position. In Q3, it was actually pretty interesting. There were seven different teams in the top 10, which shows how close the field can be this year, just like when we're not using DRS. Um, Charles Leclerc was on a hot lap with seven minutes left in the session before he locked up at turn 17. 
Uh, Max Verstappen held off and didn't put a time on the board until there were five minutes left in the session. So he had to go out and he had to make that lap a hot and fast one. But then Charles Leclerc spun off again, this time at turn six with less than two minutes on the clock. So Q3 was red flagged and then it was ended. As a result, Sergio Perez grabbed pole position for Fernando Alonso and Max Verstappen did not set a time. So he started P9 at Sunday's Grand Prix just ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who also did not set a time. I just want to say, um, wonderful person on Twitter named Taylor, every single time Charles Leclerc wrecked, I got a photo of the tire tracks in front of Taylor's seat at the Miami Grand Prix, and it was just really beautiful. Oh my God, um, that's so funny. It was like an immediate reaction every time, because two separate times, this man just boom, straight into the yeah. wall. And I just got a photo of the aftermath. And at one point I got a photo of him walking away from the car and it was like live updates from the grandstands. It was beautiful. Then I got some photos of the buckets of blue paint because they had <laughs> giant buckets of blue paint everywhere. And yeah, Taylor was keeping me informed. Thank you so much, Taylor. A weird little thing uh, that I noticed with uh, Leclerc's crash there he you know he's going around the turn he hits curb that's what kind of sets him into a spinning motion does like a 720 into the runoff area and then he's going straight towards the wall and you see like he's trying to slow down again but then instead of going straight into the wall the car spins again a 180 smashing the rear into the barriers and i wonder if he did that on purpose um maybe it's safer to crash backwards than forwards Mm. because it looked like he could have like he could have slowed down some more and gone in nose first, but it looked almost deliberate. Now, this isn't any sort of conspiracy or anything like that. I wonder if there is like a protocol on these teams. Yeah, like, Nolan doesn't like, participate in the conspiracies. I'm just saying, like, I wonder if there's like training, if the teams tell them, hey, if you're going to go into the barrier, can you do the rear instead of the front? I don't know if that maybe. If you're going to bin it this way. Yeah, if you're going to yeah. bin it. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to have to ask. You guys should watch it again because it it. it it looks, it's really strange how it happens because yeah. he does the 720 or 360, goes straight, and then almost like deliberately locks up the rear end like he's grabbing the handbrake or something and goes in backwards. Maybe he was doing some experimentation because, you know, he did the same thing twice. So you could see which one was better for the car. Yeah, maybe. So with qualifying, when you have two drivers tied in F1 qualifying, the grid position is determined by the driver who set the fastest time first. Uh, In this case, we had two drivers who did not set a time. Um, So still, still a little gray area, but it's all good. So the top three grid spots were Checo. Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz. We we'd love to see it. Um, otherwise, it was a pretty mixed up grid. Red Bull and Ferrari, they split up their two cars and almost the whole grid was between the Aston Martins. So Fernando Alonso was in second and Lance Stroll was back in 18th. Oof. Poor guy. Kevin Magnussen of Haas started on the grid in P4, which was super exciting. He had Alpine's Pierre Gasly behind him. And in P20, we had hometown hero Logan Sargent, who... Just he did not have a great weekend. I feel bad for him. Yeah, rookie in a Williams. Kevin Magnuson breaking the streak that Nico Hulkenberg has on him in terms of qualifying. Uh, it was starting to look pretty embarrassing for a sec, but he put on a pretty commanding performance this weekend over his teammate, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, encouraging. The Hosses, both Hosses were pretty fast around Miami this weekend. It was pretty, pretty was interesting nice. to see. They got their hometown race sorted out first. Mm-hmm. Logan Sargent did not hometown race it up. No. Did you hear that part of the broadcast where um, Lewis Hamilton was trying to pass Kevin Magnuson, and the commentators were like, the Mercedes just doesn't have the speed to get around that Haas yeah, or something yeah. like that. And I was like, oh. What a <laughs> like, crazy it was sentence. Like, yeah. If you played that for someone a few years ago and you were like, is this a real thing that happens in the broadcast in 2023? They would be like, absolutely not. No, no. I was very hopeful for this race because Max Verstappen did have to start in ninth. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so fun when the most powerful car has to start within the field and work their way up. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's going to work his way up pretty easily. Pretty fast. But we'll get to that later. The Red Bull (laughs) is so dominant. It just made it so easy for him. All right, let's talk about the race here. We're going to cover the race a little differently, okay, than we usually do because, dear listener, 
you might have seen on Twitter and other social media that it was a <laughs> quote boring race. I don't think it was. I think it was actually pretty dang oh, eventful. Nolan liked it. Look, I couldn't watch it live because I was looking at venues with my fiance. So I had to watch it last night when I got home. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I had seen on Twitter like all day people saying like F1's boring. This race sucked. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, man, I can't. Great. I have to drive home and then watch a two hour race where nothing happens. Guys, a lot of stuff happened. OK. All right. So our primary takeaways from the race were a lot of the same storylines that we've been talking about this whole season. Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez of Red Bull are freaking fast, uh, and they're really only in competition with one another, not with anyone else. Max fought his way to the front of the grid from P9 so quickly and on hard tires that it was almost kind of ridiculous. Uh, by lap four, he had a double overtake of both Kevin Magnuson and Charles Leclerc, and he was leading oh, the race. Oh, so sick. Oh, it was so good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Verstappen was leading the race then by lap 21. There was a pretty exciting battle between the teammates at the end of the race, but Max ultimately ended up overtaking Sergio fairly easily, uh, and he led the way to yet another Red Bull 1-2 on the podium. Yeah, real quick, I just want to talk about the the battle between Magnussen and Leclerc. It lasted for like 10 laps. It was impressive. From 3 to 13. It was really great. Whenever they were showing that on screen, I said, yes, give me more. <laughs> um, but again, kind of like the Mercedes struggling to keep up with the Haas you know, having a Ferrari also battle a Haas must have been very frustrating for old Chuck there. Yes. Uh, considering that Haas is a customer team of Ferrari. They use that Ferrari power unit. Uh, and it was hard to get by. This is just a hard track to pass on unless you have that super long DRS straight. It's a hard track to pass on unless you are Max Verstappen. But also, we can't forget that Kevin Magnussen, he's been in the sport of a long time now. He's got a lot of experience, even if he's in kind of a dog of a car like the Haas. Uh, mm -hmm. He's going he's to take the chance to... He's not going to let you buy, is what I'm trying to say here, okay? <laughs> I don't know if y'all listen to the BBC F1 podcast that they've got, but uh, Jolene Palmer had some actually like really enlightening things to say this weekend about that battle in the sense that he was like... It was stupid because Magnuson didn't gain anything by it. And apparently you mm. learn very quickly in F1 that you just don't defend because you don't gain anything from it. So like Jolien said that his first race in F1, he battled hard with Valtteri Bottas um, and then mm -hmm. like, you know, had this had this super long battle and then realizes at the end of the race, well, I used up all my tires. I used up all like everything. Now I don't have the opportunity to get into the points because I wasted yeah. it essentially. So it was really interesting to hear that perspective of like the Haas battle because like the Ferrari is probably faster, um, but also maybe Magnuson realized that Charles Leclerc doesn't really have the the overtaking chops and the punchiness that I think a lot of other drivers do. I think he was just trying not to crash. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, kind of being light-footed around the course. But honestly, I mean, this track suited Haas so well for whatever reason. You know, the, a lot of the the only passing areas were, like, at the ends of straights. That section almost before that main straight where it's, like, a chicane that is, like, off camber and downhill and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't pass there. No. Overall, just a, just a, a tough course to pass on and... It's easy for a, a, an inferior car to make a good roadblock of themselves on this course. And, you know, that Haas has, has historically, the Haas has always had really great straight line speed. So they were just suited for this track. You know, honestly, Elizabeth, I might disagree with Jolie and Palmer here Ooh. because, I mean, that's fine. Every, everyone should disagree with Jolene. <laughs> okay, so who's going to remember if you finish in the points a couple of times of the year versus who's going to remember if you're a dang roadblock, like people become legends for being roadblocks. Ryan Newman, the NASCAR driver, he's a legend for being a roadblock. So why not be a roadblock? Yarno, people truly. will remember you. Yeah. The reason you don't want to is because you want to get the points so that you get paid probably a little extra at the end of the year. Eh, no, 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 no. Because here's the thing. If you're just like an average driver who scores some points every once in a while, you're going to get cycled in and out. You know, like you're going to go up and down between teams. You're going to be out of Formula One eventually. Like you can either be great and win championships or you can be a great roadblock, in my opinion. Uh. And no one's going to remember if you scored points, but they're going to remember if you were a roadblock, you have a reputation. 
Anyway, Aston Martin has proven to be just as quick as we and everybody else predicted they would be this season. Fernando Alonso has been on the podium four out of five races so far this year. And the one race that he was not on the podium, he finished fourth. He's doing all right. He's doing he's doing yeah. he's doing great. I was I was actually watching the Miami Grand Prix and I was like, can you believe that a few years ago this man was on his like retirement world tour? Yeah. He was doing the Indy 500. He was doing all that. He was done. He was he's out over. of it. And now here he is. The only people really in front of him are the Red Bulls. It's wild. Go Fernando Alonso. Also around lap 50. He asked his team who Lance Stroll overtook and he called it a nice move. Yeah. And everybody was like, how did he see like they're not near each other? How did he see this? And the commentators were like, you know what? He was probably watching on the big screen, which I think is so funny. Just insane. Like this man is just driving around doing his thing, watching on the big screen so that he can compliment his little teammate Lance Stroll. <laughs> I mean, this so far this season, we, we talked about big big brother consultant mode alonzo yes. uh you know trying to teach lance the ways this, but this this seemed over it was over the top it was over the top this time i thought it was it was so funny to be able to like i think someone asked fernando after the race like how did you how did you know and he was like yeah i could watch the tvs like the big screens as i was driving around the track bruh i would also do that that's insane. That's so funny. But also, <laughs> drivers do this more than we think they do. Like, they look at these big screens and they look at the scoreboard. So, like, on the racetrack, mm-hmm. on an oval track, you'll have a scoring pylon. And I remember one time I was talking to Denny Hamlin, and he was talking about being in the Daytona 500 and how every time he crossed the start-finish line, he had a few seconds after crossing the pylon would update and it was in the corner of his eye so he could see who was in front of him and who was behind him on the pylon. Mm. And he had that like little window where he could look at it. So these dudes are looking around more than we think they are. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I just didn't think that Alonzo would be watching that while he's going around turns at 100 miles an hour. That's <laughs> that's wild. Uh, <laughs> so Fernando Alonso watching the big screen, that was one of the surprises of the day. Another one was Haas's Kevin Magnuson. He started in P4 on the grid, and that was the team's first ever top four spart- starting spot for a Grand Prix. They have actually started in the top four for sprint races, yeah. but never for an actual Grand Prix. Brazil of last year, Magnuson Kev- Kevin well. Magnuson was on pole, as you yeah. will remember, and then got immediately passed in like the first lap by the Red Bulls and everything. Yeah, so that was rough. It was rough. He also started P4 in a different sprint race. Um, I can't remember which one right now, but he started P4 and he stayed in the points. And the whole thing about this year or this race was if Kevin Magnuson or Nico Hulkenberg finishes in the points, Chipotle is going to give away 10,000 free burritos. And so everybody turned on their everybody turned on their tweet notifications to get this code (laughs) if they scored points to get this free burrito code. And they only had 10,000 of them. So you had to be quick. And so everybody starts texting the code and the lucky, (laughs) the blessed few got the burrito. And the rest of us got this message that said, Chipotle, colon, sorry, you missed out this time. Better luck next time. It was rough. But these kind of sponsorships work really well where you get free something if a driver wins a race. Because I firmly believe if a sponsor is not like sweating about their driver doing well, they're not doing it right. So like you got to offer free food discount codes, all kinds of stuff. Like it does help you get how, invested. That's what people talk about. And also like if if you're kind of on the fence about a driver or whatever and you there's an incentive like that, you're going to start like kind of rooting for him, yes. you know. I was going to say if uh if Charles wins a free free Richard Mill watch maybe for for one <laughs> yeah, lucky winner, go. that'd be great. Uh Let's go. <laughs> speaking of Ferrari, they're fourth in the constructors championship, <laughs> which is wild considering their past few years. McLaren's improvements did not turn out to be as impressive as everyone thought they would be. There's a lot of hype. Uh, Lando Norris finished in 17th place with Oscar Piastri, his rookie teammate, in P19. Ouchie wawa. That hurts. <laughs> Yikes. Not good. Ugh. Not good. Uh, the team's Twitter account even tweeted, quote, a race to forget in Miami. They are right because they used to be, you know, they were like a, Solid midfield team, P5, uh, in the Constructors' Championship. 
and now they're tied with their rival Alpine, who Alpine had a very good weekend in Miami this week. It was surprising. It was nice. Yeah. I just like I watch McLaren and I'm like, ouch, you know, everybody is so hard on Daniel Ricardo, us included. That is true. We and were woof. now I feel bad. Like I this feel... is this is my time to issue an apology to Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. Publicly, I am so sorry. You are not washed. I've changed my mind. <laughs> McLaren is washed, yeah. not you. Yeah. I mean, quite literally, we described him as put- putting around, and that is all McLaren has done this year. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just gave Daniel's car to Oscar Piastri, and who knows what happened with Lando. Maybe they gave Daniel's car to Lando, and they gave Lando Lando's car to Piastri, hoping. The fates of the universe would equal out somehow, Something. and now it's just bad news bears all around. That was bad, yeah. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well... Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So the big thing here with Miami is that F1 has tried to really push this beyond the bounds of just being a race. So we want to talk a little bit about kind of all the fanfare that went into making Miami what it is, starting with what I think was the greatest idea with the poorest execution of the weekend, driver introductions. I actually didn't see this. So can someone describe it to me accurately and without hyperbole? Okay, I will describe to you in detail what happened. They all have them like behind a stage somewhere because afterward they they had this big story. I think ESPN did a story about it where they asked all the drivers how they felt about it. I guess they had them like herded back there for like 30 minutes in the sun and all the boys were like, oh, the sun, we're vampires. They were so upset. So they're behind this stage. They all come out, I think, in championship order because Max Verstappen was last. And who was doing the who was doing the introductions? LL Cool J was doing the introductions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was LL Cool J. Yeah. So NCIS New Orleans, nice. Yeah. So he does this like whole thing about the driver. So he described Charlotte Claire as in the fight for the championship last year, and it was like "Mm, not quite, but yeah, sure. Um, they were describing all the drivers and they would walk out. And then as soon as they got on the stage, they had these like puffer fog machines and they would just smack the drivers in the face with like this puff of fog as they're getting introduced. And like Lando kind of ducked from it. It was really funny. Um, and then they walk out and LL Cool J is like Max Verstappen. And then they all look really inconvenienced and they just keep walking. It was Like two of them actually looked like they weren't super upset about all of this. Mm -hmm. And that's what made it so funny was how inconvenienced they all looked and how I don't think they were expecting to get hit in the face with a puff of smoke. (laughs) And then they were just like, oh, when they did, it was really stunning. Nolan, I I highly recommend going and looking at a video. I saw a lot of of discourse online about this. Liz, why why do you think it was like a really cool idea? Yeah, no, I love the concept of driver intros. Uh, American series mm-hmm. for motorsport do this really well. Um, and it is fun. It's a great fun way to like hype up the race. You get to see these drivers yes. one at a time as they're starting, you know, before they actually get in the cars. And it's a good way for the fans to like see them. Sometimes you have a little chat. Sometimes you just call Lance Stroll, the, you know, tell, say that he's got the hopes of his nation on his shoulders, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was great. Like I thought... The concept of that, I don't see any problem with it. 
it does take away from like the gravitas of the Formula One pre-race ceremony, but uh, like Miami is camp and we need to accept that. So we should just do the driver intros. Yes, I agree. My problem here though, was that this was not the greatest expression of driver intros that we could have had. Where were the pyrotechnics? I wanted flames. Walkout songs. I needed walkout songs. I wanted to have ample amounts of dry ice fog, like tons, <laughs> not just a little puff, tons. Why Why weren't the drivers walking out when LL Cool J actually said their name? That's part of my problem. They yep. just kind of wandered out. And then it was like LL Cool J just trying to catch up, trying to make sure that like, <laughs> yeah. he's saying the right person. Why were they just ambling? Throw a little sparkle there on it. There was nothing. nothing. The drivers gave us nothing. That's the yeah. problem. Football teams like run out of inflatable caves and stuff. And they're like, yeah, all of these drivers looked so mad and so inconvenienced. They hated it. And, you know, I love when drivers get to like say a little line during driver intros. So one of the most <laughs> famous things in all of driver intros history is one time in 2010, Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch were just like having this. They were going at each other in NASCAR and Brad Keselowski comes out during driver intros and he gets a little line after he gets on stage. He gets his microphone and he goes, my name's Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch is an ass. <laughs> Did people like lose their minds? Everybody lost their minds. Everybody went wild because it. like who uses their one sentence to insult someone else. And like <laughs> if Max Verstappen could have like come out and insulted Checo or something like what? Like, come on, you know, or like give the microphone to Max's mom and like let Max's mom come out and be like, I'm Max Verstappen's mom and Checo had an affair. Like yep. just drama. Come on. Yeah. But all the drivers hated it. So I read this story last night that quoted all the drivers from ESPN. You can look it up if you want. It's titled, None of the Drivers Like It. Miami Grand Prix driver intros get mixed reviews. So Lando Norris says, none of the drivers like it, but it's not for us at the end of the day. Um, Alex Albon said, <laughs> it's the show. We're in the show business now. George Russell said, it's distracting because, you know, we were on the grid for half an hour and all of our overalls in the sun. I don't think there's any other sports in the world that 30 minutes before you go out to do your business, you're out there in the sun, all the cameras on you, making a big show of it. You're doing it anyway. And I was like, oh my God, I can't stand it. You're doing it anyway. You are getting <laughs> called over for interviews from freaking yes. everyone on the grid. Yeah, that is kind of also uh, a NFL football team's uh, warm up before a game. Uh, they do this all the time. Yeah. Max Verstappen hated it, but he also had like a leveled take on it. He said, I think this is a personality thing, right? Some people like to be in the spotlight. Some people don't. Max, you're a Formula One driver. Anyway, um, he was kind of leveled about it. He said some people like it. Some people don't. I don't like it. I don't want to do it, but I accept that it's about entertainment. Lewis Hamilton was like, this was cool. LL Cool J said my name. Like, <laughs> Lewis was fine with it. Good for him. Um, it, Nico Hulkenberg was like, he liked it, which, you know what? I'm siding with Nico Hulkenberg on something. Wow, that's a first. So, you know, that's a first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fernando Alonso. Uh, Fernando Alonso brought up equality. This was a, this was a wild take. Um, he just went totally left field. He said... I don't think the Miami fans are better than the Italian fans in Imola or Spain or in Mexico or in Japan. I think we need to make everyone with the same show before the race. Correct. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Intros at every race. <laughs> Everywhere. They should. I mean, exactly, it just kind of points to the a weird in the way that Lando Norris is like, I don't think any other sport does this. It's like, no, I think Formula One is kind of the only sport that, that doesn't takes do this. itself <laughs> So like, so serious. I mean, every sport takes itself seriously, but like Formula One almost treats itself like the drivers treat themselves as though they're almost like actors, like getting into meth, like doing Meisner before doing a scene or something. That's how the and and these intros are breaking <laughs> their concentration. It really does feel like that. Like racing is entertainment. Yeah. 
That's why people show up. That's why people pay hundreds of dollars for a ticket. It's entertaining. It's we're not there to we are there to watch your performance, but because that performance is entertaining to us, not because we're yes. uh, you know, analyzing. I mean, some people are, obviously we are, but it, it it's <laughs> like we're not watching you do Shakespeare out there. We're watching you drive a fast yes. car. It's so bizarre. So Pierre Gasly said it was too long, not enough time before jumping in the car. I don't know how the other drivers feel, but I feel like sometimes you need to be down and kind of in your bubble right before jumping in the car. But overall, it was good to try. And I'm sure next time we're going to do small tweaks if we do a similar thing. And I'm like, Pierre, listen, all of you listen up. You have a predetermined spot that you are going to finish in this race, unless you wreck or you do something really stupid. Like you have a range of like four spots in which you are going to finish. You don't need to concentrate that hard. Like the (laughs) Red Bulls are going to finish first. Fernando Alonso is going to finish third. Pierre is going to finish like ninth. You don't need to concentrate that hard. I'm sorry. You had to stand in the sun for 30 (laughs) minutes and then get your name announced, and then get hit by a fog machine. Again, to Liz's point, they do that anyway. They just sit out in the sun. Oh, you know what it is? Yes. They didn't have someone holding an umbrella for them. That's Ah! what it was. That's exactly it. That's exactly what it was. They needed someone. No, just bring out their PR person next time, holding their little umbrella, and we also like fancy boys. To your point, though, Liz, about bringing in pyrotechnics and stuff, you know what? We should... Not only would that make the intros more badass, but would probably make it more fun for the drivers in the first place and make them want to do it more. So get more pyrotechnics and maybe at the end of the race, we get Nickelodeon to set up a slime bucket on the podium (gasps) and they get slimed on the podium. Oh, my God. I think that would be sick. Nolan, that's actually a really good idea. I think all of them should get slimed. Yeah. And everybody would just be so mad and have the angriest face. And Lewis Hamilton would be like, this is great. Yeah. All the millennial drivers would, <laughs> it be, would into be incredible. It. I don't know if Zoomers are, are mm. know about slime or not. I don't know if that's a thing. If you're a Zoomer and you're listening, tell us if you know about getting slimed. <laughs> I think it showed just kind of like not aware drivers are sometimes about the sports that go on around them to have like everyone so mad about driver intros and just to see the dislike on their face. And it was really funny that ESPN story, someone tweeted it. And Eric Jones, who's a NASCAR driver, responded, this is pretty hilarious to read, period. Because they do 38 races a year, and at every single one, they do driver races. Every single one. I think other drivers taking shots at F1 is like a could be a whole episode on itself. I have such feelings about it as if everyone, every driver who takes shots at F1 wouldn't immediately... get an f1 seat if it was offered are you are you kidding me that's so true are you serious like you would take you would take a midfield indycar team or a nascar team over an f1 seat because the racing is better freaking get out of here dude are you serious it's just like every f1 team would take a spot at ferrari it doesn't matter how good Mm -hmm. the car is you're driving for ferrari like that's how it is so get out of here with that nonsense other drivers I think there's a difference between bringing it up yourself and responding to something. So this was like an event where all the F1 drivers are complaining or whatever. I know. And this is a response. I think it's really weird when they just bring it up on their own accord and they're like, did you see the IndyCar race today? It was so much better than F1. I think that's a little weird. Which I do see like like, every race weekend. All the time. All the time. Like we're so much better than F1. I think that's weird. But if there's an existing conversation, I think it's okay sure. to chip sure. in. Yeah, but still. <laughs> on top of all of this other stuff that they had going on, a lot of the American races feature some sort of kind of silly crossover sporting event. Uh, in this one, it was a football obstacle course that was kind of like the F1 driver combine. Uh, <laughs> I love these things. Like last year, one of my favorite parts of the U.S. Grand Prix was watching in the paddock. They had set up this virtual uh, golf thing and they were trying to like see who who I don't, I can't even remember what the, the goal was there and like whether it was best accuracy or whatever. Um, but it was fun to like watch the drivers compete and try to beat each other's times. Like it was a really low stakes, fun way to see how competitive all of these guys are. Um, and Last the year before that at the U.S. Grand Prix, they had the, uh, like a basketball one that um, Alanis, I believe, actually saw that when I wasn't at the track that day. Um, 
Oh, yeah. I was watching that. ESPN had a basketball court set up. And Daniel Ricardo was pretty good at it. Daniel Ricardo seems like the kind of guy who just shoots hoops for fun. Yeah, the Aussies like basketball. Let us know if you want to hear more about the kind of cool gimmicky stuff that F1 drivers, they, they put on around these races. Uh, if you want to hear more about it or if you'd rather we just kind of skip it past it. I think it's fun to see them taking like the gloves off and kind of just having fun and not having to be so stressed about stuff. Um, like seeing who can throw a football. Oh, that's so good. I just love that they have to do it in their sponsor polos and pants. <laughs> like <laughs> they don't let them like change clothes into something more comfortable. Like they're wearing their team polos and pants <laughs> and just. Uh, I, and, you know, they're having to do like obstacle courses yeah. and like run ladders in literal pants. Speaking of football, you know, that paddock was in the Dolphin Stadium. You know, all the teams had their mm-hmm. uh, kind of RVs set up in there. And I saw some I can't remember if it was Twitter or Reddit or whoever said it. But someone had a good idea of like, why doesn't the race sell like super cheap tickets where you could go into the stadium and watch the race on the big screen? I mean, it seems like such a natural oh, thing, especially smart. when the capacity of Miami is only like 90,000. I think like 90,000 people showed up for the race, and I think that was like near sold out. They had to add capacity. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty easy way to make money. Of course, you'd have to hire staff and everything like that. But like, I would love to see that. I would, de- I would, I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I would, I would check that out for sure. No, and I mean, it's easy. It's already set up. All the paddock is in there, everything's going on, and you get to go and be around the race. What I thought was really weird was some people were confusing the paddock setup with the garage. Mm-hmm. So inside the stadium, they had all the hospitality and things like that. Um, and people were thinking that like you could look at the garage from there, and that's not the case. So hospitality is like where all the teams like sit around and have like food and drink and meetings and stuff like that. And then the garage is where the cars are. And so the paddock hospitality was what everybody could see Mm -hmm. from the stadium. Yeah, It wasn't anything exciting. I think a lot of people were, a lot of people were mad about a lot of things uh, about this race. So that brings us to our next one, which is the celebrities. People were mad about celebrities attending the Miami Grand yes, Prix. Yes, they were. Uh, there's always a lot of discourse around celebrities attending weekend events for Formula One. Uh, but this year, Miami kind of brought things to a whole new level. So while we did see people like Elon Musk in the Red Bull garage, we also saw a lot of influencer trips that were happening, uh, which is a different kind of celebrity. And... There was a lot of discourse about who is allowed to go to a race and who should be able to cover it. Um, We've seen influencers at races before, but Miami really represented a massive leap forward when it came to the amount of them and the kind of influencers. Uh, This weekend, the big point of contention was with Tarte's influencer group. Tarte is a makeup brand. The attending influencers really didn't know much about F1. They were there on a trip to represent a makeup brand uh, and they caught the wrath of F1 Twitter. Some of it was deserved, such as one content creator saying that if F1 content creators wanted to get invited to races, they should just work harder. Um, that's not a very nice <gasps> thing to say. People are doing their best. I can mm-hmm. understand why that's upsetting. But like an influencer is just being there. Yeah. is not. Yeah. The, your, their specific presence is not an issue. Um, they're there to do a job and that job is to bring F1 to a brand new audience. They don't have to know anything in order Mm -hmm. to do that. F1 is targeting specifically the female audience, the young female audience, and any audience that likes luxury. Mm -hmm. That's what they want with this race. It makes sense why those those people were there in that capacity. Especially in Miami. Yeah. I was going to, like, yes. If I get invited to a race... And I'm part of this group. I'm not reaching a new audience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not I'm preaching to the choir. Everyone who follows me already knows I like F1. Everyone is already aware of what it is. Mm-hmm. This is this is intended to bring other people in. Um, but whew, it got heated. It got heated. I think I think a lot of people were upset about it. Well, so there's a lot of nuance to this and there's a lot of yeah. layers to this. And one of them is the question of, is it worthwhile mm-hmm. to bring just random people to a race when you when they don't have an established connection with that race so 
I see this happen a lot in racing series and they'll just have like a random celebrity or a random famous person at this race. The thing is the people who like that person, they're only going to tune in for that person's pieces of it. And then they're going to like go do something else. So there is a question of, is this stuff worthwhile? What is the actual conversion rate of these things? There's also the question of who are you mad at for being at this race? So why are you mad at an influencer who does makeup for being at this race, but you're not like, huh, does Jeff Bezos watch Formula One? Yeah. Why are we Why are we mad at the makeup girls, but we're not mad at the tech dudes? You know, there's a lot of nuance to this conversation and it just, it goes deep. I've seen this uh, kind of phenomena firsthand. I went to the Formula E race in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, Okay. A couple of years ago, I think that was 2018 or 19. Oh, I love Formula E and Red Hook. It was sweet. It was it was cool. But like we were paired up like essentially I was paired up with an influencer uh, for mm-hmm. the day. Yes. Uh, we got like taken around the track and I th- like a KTM Expo or Crossbow or something. That's Expo. Sad. I think it was a KTM. I love that. Thing. Some open top deal. I've driven that. Um, yeah. Lucky. Uh, but yeah, uh, the guy with uh, Brody mm-hmm. Smith was the guy's name. He's like a... Um, he was doing golf like he was doing he like he has like a golf channel, but he's also like a disc golf player. He does trick shot stuff. He's got mm-hmm. I, he's got a lot of followers. His wife was with them. She's also an influencer. Her name's uh, what is her name? Right here. Her name is uh, Kelsey Lawrence. She was like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. She was on the reality show. She was on. The, she was she she did cheerleading for a number of years. She has her own audience online and they were both, you know, making posts about Formula E. Like I could not like. <laughs> Probably the first time their audiences had probably ever heard of the sport. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, definitely bringing that new audience. And you know what? They had a great time, too. They were like, we're not really sure what this is. We got invited. We're here in the paddock club, but this is really dope. Like, we're watching the race. It's cool to see these cars yep. go around the turns. By the way, those Formula E cars were hauling ass around that course. That's it was crazy. Um, it was It was pretty sweet. But, you know. That's and hitting each other a lot. <laughs> that's why you do it, though, is because where, when else is like a trick shot guy going to be posting uh, Formula E on his Instagram, you know? You're so right. And I I think our reactions to different types of people are different and telling. So Elon Musk was at the Formula One race and he tweeted that he was talking to Red Bull or something like that. He was talking to somebody and he proposed a race between a gas slash hybrid car and an all electric car. And I feel like if a girl or a woman or someone posted this, they would just get destroyed. I was going to say, like like, if a woman respectfully, Elon, that's the dumbest I've ever heard. (laughs) If a woman posted this, that would be the end. Like it would be over. But we take him more seriously because he's Elon Musk, even though he obviously doesn't know what he's talking about and is completely out of his element. We just take him more seriously. And it is a question of which influences are you mad at? Mm -hmm. And also, like, you cannot like the type of content they're posting. Like, there was some stuff I saw this weekend where I was like, "Ooh, this is not for me because I'm not the audience for it. Like, I'm not the audience for, like, posing in front of the racetrack and being like, wow, look at this. Like, that's not me. Like, I want to talk about what's actually going on. But if it's not for you, then you can just not pay attention to it. It's not for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just ignore it. And also, like, examine why you're mad about women at Formula One. Like, come on. It's probably nobody listening to this show. Just chill out. It's it's racing. It's racing at the end of the day. These guys are just driving their cars around the turns. That's so true. And they're going to get slimed. We're going <laughs> to slime these drivers. They're going to get slimed. <laughs> they should. No, they got to do that when they cross the finish line at the end of the race and they've taken the checkered flag. Slime them in the cars. Just have the slime <laughs> like ready to go. But no, Elizabeth, they have to weigh themselves after they get out of the car. And if they're covered in Hose slime, they're going to weigh more because they all. <laughs> They only weigh like 10 pounds. Get a fire hose. (laughs) I think the more uncomfortable things we can subject these Formula One drivers to, the better. They get paid enough money. Like, they can get slimed and hosed down. It's fine. I would pay my money. I would love it. I would give you dollars to be slimed and hosed down. They get this for free? (laughs) 
I pay racing drivers to do stunts all the time. And you would be amazed what extremely wealthy dudes will do if you offer them $5. How do you think they got rich? They'll just like do a little somersault. How do you think they got rich? Or do a little cartwheel. That's so true. $5 at a time. Um, It adds up. You can get them to do whatever stunt you want. (laughs) This weekend, we saw a lot of fun fashion from the drivers. And I think in a way that we haven't um, in the past, Lewis has been historically the well-dressed man of the paddock. Occasionally, you'll get some other folks who have some brain deals that they're showing off. Joe Guan Yu was one of them last year. I think George Russell has some sort of coastal grandmother uh, sponsorship deal, which is why he looks the way he does every <laughs> race weekend. Um, George Russell looks like a like your stepdad, like your rich stepdad. Who, yeah. Your mom had a divorce and she decided I'm not marrying for love anymore. I'm marrying for money. And she found George Russell in 40 years. That's how he dresses. Have you seen the Alpha Dads memes? No. Oh, OK. Well, you'll have to go look them up. It's just like the epitome of like vest bro culture. That's what George Russell oh, no. reminds me of. It's just like. The do-all dad who's, like, on the phone during dinner, closing deals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's him. Oh, yeah. This is what he dresses like. Um, Yeah. Yeah, George Russell has interesting fashion. But you're right. I mean, in general, in the past few years, we've only been talking about a few people in terms of fashion, namely Lewis Hamilton and more recently Joe Guanyu. Mostly Lewis. Mostly Lewis. And then Max wears the same thing every time. His sponsor polo and some slacks. Every single or, time. Or uh, sometimes shorts, <laughs> some khaki shorts. <laughs> the F1 Instagram account, more recently, they've been doing like fashion roundups mm-hmm. because they know that people are interested in what they're wearing. And like the fashion roundups will be all the boys in like interesting outfits and then just like Max Verstappen in a black polo. Yep. And everybody's like, <laughs> one of these is not like the others. <laughs> Look, Max is there. He's not he's not here to make friends. He's not here to wear Max clothes. Is himself. He's there to win. And uh he's probably just got a whole closet full of sponsor polos and khakis and that's it. And hats. He wears hats so much that when he takes the hat off, we go, did he like color his hair? Like Yeah, yeah was a whole right. Thing where I we thought had he a, a bleached his discussion. hair cuz it was so bright. Yeah. Uh but he did not. Yeah. No, he did not. We just don't see it very often. But Miami was different in that it seemed like everyone was trying. Like they were trying to look cute. Yeah. Namely, um, Nico Hulkenberg, every single day out there, he had like a top and shorts combination with palm trees on them. And every day it was a different yeah. color. But it was like the same general clothes. Yeah. Saturday was like the long version. And then Sunday it was the shorts version. Yeah. I investigated. Yeah. Allegedly, this is Palm Angels, the sponsor oh. that the team has this year. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, uh, of course, like, yeah, it's tie-in, uh, but also it was ugly as sin, and it looked like he was wearing his jammies to the racetrack. Which <laughs> it did look like it's jammies. Fine. <laughs> like, but like, I'm not getting hyped up for a race in that outfit. I'm tucking in for a nice little snooze. Yeah, so the sh- the short sleeve palm shirt was $785. The pants are $920. That is like, holy moly. That's with tax, that's like a $1,700 outfit right there. Good Lord. Oh, wow. They've got a shark, a, a bowling shirt with sharks and pants, matching pants. That's going to set you back $1,200. I'd wear that. I'm into that. <laughs> this yeah. would have been better. I want to wear that. Yeah, that'd be this way cooler. This would have been better. The pants that Nico was wearing, they're legitimately called pajama pants. It's right here. I've got oh. receipts. He wore jammies. Oh, it's a, it says pajama pants right it here. Does. Sunset pajama pants, sunset bowling shirt. And what's interesting is that if you're on the Palm Angels website and you click the little model photos, again, no one wears the matching shirt with the matching pants. They always have like a different yeah. print of either shirt or pants. They don't wear them together. And Nico just wore the matching palm tree shirt with the palm tree pants. Like, this dude is wearing a $2,000 set of pajamas in the paddock. Lewis Hamilton showed up to this race. He was ready. His fits were impeccable. But Alanis, do you want to tell us what he was wearing? Yes. Um. So I, I agree that in some regards, his fits were impeccable. But I also believe that once he turned around, they were a little questionable. So at one point, he wore a jumpsuit, like head to toe 
sequins, sparkles. I think it, it was so either good. sequins or sparkles. I don't know what it was. It was like dark purple, head to toe. And, you know, when you're in, when you're in a romper or a jumpsuit or something, in order to go to the bathroom, you have to take it all the way off. Get it's naked. really inconvenient. Yeah. You got to get completely naked in the bathroom. So Lewis, amazingly, his little romper thing had a butt zipper. <laughs> it had a zipper where you could just unzip it all the way around your Zip. butt. And it was like, I think I would rather take it all the way off. Me too, man. Me too. No. Me. I just zipper. don't. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, that he was practical. A, he had a poop window. <laughs> <laughs> poop through Listen. my pants. I just don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe. Just, I'm not... Telling you to imagine it, but I am saying, imagine uh, having a no. little poop window, <laughs> <laughs> like a gold rush miner instead of a zipper having those two buttons with the big old flap. <laughs> yes, and it's just a big butt flap, and you've worn <laughs> you've won seven Formula One championships, and you're walking around with a zipped up butt flap. That's and I love insane. Lewis, but like, man. Like, you couldn't pay me to walk around with a butt flap. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to leave that for the fashionistas. I'm not. I can't. I can't do that. Elizabeth, what are your thoughts on the butt flap? I, I thought it was great, honestly. Like, there have been so many times. So when you I would am, walk around with a butt flap. Yes. There have been many. I love to wear rompers to the racetrack because they're cute. But every time I'm sweaty and I'm like peeling off my entire outfit in the bathroom, <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could just like have a little thing so I could sit down to pee and it won't be a problem. I respect it. I think it's great. Also, it was a really long sleeve, heavy looking outfit. Maybe he had some sort of air conditioning inside of it that he didn't want. He didn't want to take it maybe, off. Maybe. He's like the Disney costumes. Oh, Elizabeth, you know what? I challenge you. Go buy a romper with a butt window and wear it to the racetrack. <laughs> to sum it all up, the podium was Red Bull's Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, followed by the curmudgeon king himself, Fernando Alonso. Mm -hmm. Then came George Russell, Carlos Sainz, despite a five-second penalty for speeding in pit lane, and Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Yeah. Then we had Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, Kevin Magnussen with the final points. Lewis... Lewis did it. He made it from 13th to 6th, and good for the him. The stars aligned. The strategy lined up. The hard tires did not degrade, and they were actually way better than the mediums, which is sweet. a problem in itself. It was, yeah. But, yeah. It was dope. I'm sure this is going to come as a surprise to everyone, but the fastest yeah, lap totally. and driver of the day both went to Max Verstappen. Both of them. Yeah, you know, I was um, a little disappointed to see Sergio in second, but the world's driver championship is still pretty close. It's uh, still anyone's game if you're a Red Bull driver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ferrari's going to come back. I just know it. <laughs> yeah. Mercedes, they're going to have yeah. a whole new car. Everything's going to work out. And then maybe Alonso is also going to get some jet thrusters on his car and, and be able to pass the Red Bulls. So we'll see totally. what happens. Okay. It's time for Boyfriend of the Week. We do this every Ooh. week. It's where we acknowledge who's the best. It can be anybody. It can be a driver, car, uh, team principal, maybe someone online. Who is good enough to be our boyfriend this week? Remember, it's middle school rules, so it's only for this week. I let it off last time. So I've got one. Ooh. I've got one. Liz's got one. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. We will retweet this so that you will see it if you have not already. My boyfriend of the week is the $42 Wagyu sandwich tweeted out by finance bro Peter McCormick, which literally just looked like a ham sandwich, like maybe a bologna sandwich. Yes. I, I thought that was so that. funny. Honestly, it was amazing. the amount of crypto bros who were po like posting the menus and the you know the what they were paying for food, I was like, God bless you, Miami. You found a way to use their money. Yes. They're not doing anything yes. good with it. You might as well spend it on a forty-two-dollar <laughs> ham sandwich. It was amazing. I, the I'm audacity still, I still, to call that wagyu beef is so funny I just to me. Can't, I can't get over it. The, like yeah. the meat to the meat to bread ratio was off. Way I didn't off. see a slice of cheese. Like no. oh, terrible. That, it was so funny. Terrible. I, it was giving free public school lunch vibes, <laughs> and I am mm -hmm. here for it. 
<laughs> and it was $42. That's incredible, Elizabeth. That that was a real it was a real staple of the weekend. It I'll was. Give you that. It was. Alanis, who do you got? So my first thought was the fog machine, just puffing the fog on these drivers' <laughs> face. That was stunning. That was incredible. My other thought was George Russell got to Miami oh. this week and he went to the beach and he sat in a chair and they took a photo of him with his legs crossed. He looked like mom watching her kids play on the beach. Um, no shoes. That he dude posted has the those longest feet, feet for free. He yep. posted the feet. <laughs> He has the longest feet I've ever seen. It was incredible. I commented, put those grippers away. And the funniest <laughs> part was I knew that he he wouldn't understand the reference because he doesn't know anything. Like, he's just not aware of the internet. Like, he has no idea. But I got to say, going for the underrated event of the weekend, which was Nico Hulkenberg in the press conference five drivers on the couch and this dude has his legs spread so far apart <laughs> that Lance Stroll looks like he's in economy on a spirit flight just trying to avoid Nico's knees. Oh yeah. Whoa, that's a wide stance. He was like squatted down. It looked like he was trying, like he was exerting effort to spread his legs even wider. Like he's like wow. turtled up, shoulders up to his ears. And he's one of the taller drivers on the grid, so he's got some long old lanky boys on there. And he okay, and he's on the end. He's on the end. He could turn around and stick his legs all the way out there. He didn't have to do this to Lance. Poor Lance. Yeah, he didn't so so if you haven't seen this, we're gonna post it on the Donut Racing Show Twitter account. But let me just describe to you. Nico is sitting on the edge of the couch and he looks like he's stretching his middle splits. Okay. Like his legs are so wide and he has both arms crossed and he looks like you've packed him into one of those like vacuum sealed bags. Like he's so tight in the upper part of his body and poor Lance Stroll is sitting next to him and Lance's legs are straight and basically glued together because he's trying to get away from Nico. And I just appreciate Nico taking up that much square footage. I think it's horrible. It's pretty impressive. My boyfriend of the week is another Haas F1 driver, Kevin Magnuson, finishing 10th on the grid, finishing ahead of his teammate, Nico Hulkenberg. Great performance all around from the Dane. Um, yeah, he had fights with Lewis, had fights with Leclerc. Really showing people what that Haas is capable of under the right circumstances. Well done, Kevin Magnuson. Those are our boyfriends of the week. Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We'll be back next week to prepare for the Indy 500 by walking through Ooh. the oval race's history as a Formula One Grand Prix. Dang, some variety for Ooh. you. <laughs> yeah, and Elizabeth and I are both going to the Indy 500, so we will have um, lots to discuss there. I've already got my tweets lined up. I've got memes prepared. I've got a notes app ready to go. <laughs> this is actually, I do this too. Um, in the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends to tune into the Donut Racing Show. If you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. We also have an email address now. So you can email us at donutracingshow at donutmedia.com. We want to start reading some fun stuff on air, so hit us up. We also will read your reviews on air if they're fun and interesting. We would love that. Hit us up. We do listener mail over on Past Gas, so we wanted to start doing that over here and kind of discuss, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you might have noticed that we didn't during the race, and we want to discuss that kind of stuff. So hit us up, DonutRacingShow at DonutMedia.com. If you're not familiar with Donut Media, we have a YouTube channel as well. Go subscribe to that if you haven't already. Uh, we also have an aforementioned automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Check that out. Follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis at Alanis N. King on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter. And Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. You can see pictures of all the cats that mm -hmm. come to her house. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both platforms. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.